0: Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. We pray you are encouraged by today's message. For more information or to stay connected with what's happening at the river, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The River Claremont. We're beginning a new series here at The River. call it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to call it. I believe there it is. Great job. Productions department. If you can maybe put, put, put the the, (laughs) Hebrews six up there. We'll try and get going. My gosh, Jesus help me. It is thick in here today, Amen. Isn't the Lord, wonderful. I've noticed that when the presence of the Lord is there, it's it's almost like there's a numbness because there is no need because it's actual satisfaction. You're satisfied in every way. You're satisfied in every way. I mean, you just I can't even think of anything to want right now. What could I possibly want more than the presence of the Lord? There is nothing. Did you put Hebrews 6 up? Did you take it down? Leave it up. Who in here can read right now? Yeah, that's the same scripture as me. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Perfection here is also maturity. So let's go on to maturity. How many people here would like to mature as a believer? Who here wants to be a baby Christian forever? Thank God. You're in the wrong church if you want to be a baby forever. Because we get tired of changing diapers on 40-year-olds. It's awkward. So let us go on to perfection, which is Maturity. Let us go to maturity and not lay again the foundation of repentance from dead works, of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms, plural, of the laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. I heard a preacher say, and it made good sense. The last bit there is very important. That if we are to mature into the greater realms of the spirit, as Paul spoke of the milk to the meat, to the mysteries of the realms of the spirit, we have a generation that wants to get straight to the mysteries and straight to the weird. If you don't have a firm foundation, all you get is weirdness. Right. And the Lord is not, I mean, he's different, he's unique, but is a peaceful difference, not a creepy difference. And I've been in places where it's a creepy difference. And our our job as the church is to embrace the supernatural presence of God. He does give words of knowledge. He does give words of wisdom. He does know things and reveal things and heal bodies and raise the dead. But he doesn't do it in weird, creepy ways. He does it just through the faith of his children that stand on the word and God moves. And sometimes God's greatest miracles don't even feel like a miracle in the moment because it actually seems normal. Because that's who he is. But to mature in the things of God, we have to get the firm foundation, is what it says. When we built this place, before we could start tearing down to expand, we had to get a permit. If God is to permit us to go into the deep realms of the Spirit, we have to get the foundation down first. So I'm going to begin in this series of the six foundational doctrines of the Christian faith, beginning today on the subject of repentance from dead works. Repentance from dead works. If you read Acts chapter 2, which was the birth of the New Covenant Church, how many people recognize Acts 2 was the birth of the church that the Spirit was given? The first message was preached. This was the first message preached that we have access to over 2,000 years later after Christ ascended and poured the blood on the mercy seat and the Spirit was given to the church as God's plan was from the beginning. And when Peter preached, he preached and said to the people, You must repent have faith in God, and be baptized so that you could be saved. And basically he laid out four or five parts of the six foundations of the Christian faith in the very first message to ever preach. And so sometimes when we forget to highlight the beginning, which is true repentance, and just try and get into freedom trying to get into identity and power and authority, but we don't have repentance, then the church does not carry what it needs to carry because God is not fooled and God is not mocked. When a man sows that and that only is what he will reap. So if you continue to sow to the flesh, you will reap from the flesh, reap destruction. The Bible says, but those that sow to the spirit will from the spirit reap everlasting life. Amen. So thank God For all that he's done for us. I want to read maybe Psalm 51. I'll read parts of it and and highlight and skim through it. Psalm 51 was written by King David. The Bible says was a man after God's own heart that still lived in a time where he made a lot of mistakes. In this room right now, if we pass the microphone, we have many mistakes we could highlight in our lives. But we have one Savior. And his name is Jesus. And David writes in Psalm 51, after his sin was exposed. So he did not readily expose his own sin. He actually murdered a man to cover his sin because the wages of sin is death. And it's important to realize that that still remains true today. The wages of sin is death. So some of us in here should have died because of our sin, the sins of our past. It's a miracle that you're alive. And the reason you're alive is because most likely a born-again believer was covering you in prayer, asking the Lord to keep you around so that you would not pay for your own sin, that they would, you would come to know him, be born again, and be set free. But the wages of sin is death. No matter what, as a, as a child of God, you can screw up really badly. You can get drunk and actually, I met a man drunk in Alaska and ran over a young boy and the boy died in his arms, plagued him for 23 years of his life. And then the Lord broke him free into a realm of joy and, and, and restored the joy of his salvation back and delivered him from it. You can go through many different things as a child of God, but God has the power to restore, has the power to forgive, has the power to wash it from you. You can be tormented as a child. I've heard countless testimonies of those literally molested as children for many years. But when they came to know the Lord, they went from victim to victor as God washed that off of their life. And they're no longer bound by things that were done to them. But they are now set free by things that he has done for them. Amen. Well, as we highlight repentance, David here did not readily make his sin known. And so the Lord had to send a prophet to reveal it to him. My challenge to you is may you not be the person that needs a prophet to come to town before you get right with God. You have the freedom at any moment to come before the Lord and be real with God and say, Lord, these are the areas in my life that I'm screwing up in and I'm not going to hide it and I want it out. And God is quick to forgive. I will say this though, there are some things you do on planet earth that though God will forgive you and though it will not follow you into eternity, man will never forgive you. There are things that people have done that you will pay a price for until you get into glory, but guess what? Even if you live 80 years paying a price on planet Earth, as long as you get repentance right and you make it to the other side, it is but a blip on the radar of forever. Come on, somebody. Know that, that even if you are paying the price of something you did in the past that will not follow you forward into heaven, you will be forever in the glory of God as long as you get this step right. So David had his sin exposed, and then when it was exposed, he truly repented. He cried out and said, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, and according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me, and against you and you only have I sinned. And done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak, and blameless when you judge. "'Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, "'and in sin my mother conceived me. "'Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, "'and in the inward part you make me to know wisdom.' Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities and create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. This is a psalm of repentance where David laid out, crying out to the Lord. The first thing you need to realize about repentance is where does repentance come from? Repentance comes from a brokenness. As you finish that psalm, he says, God will will, will always respond to a broken and contrite heart or spirit within man. Repentance is not coming to the Lord and saying, I want you to save me. Repentance is coming to God, acknowledging God, I have no right to ask for forgiveness. That you were nailed to a cross because of me. That I deserve every hardship and everything this world has thrown at me because I have sinned and the wages of sin is death. It's a brokenness. You cannot come to God in a holier-than-thou attitude telling the Lord that he has gotten it wrong and thus he must make your life better. That is not repentance. Repentance is a place of brokenness where you say, God, I, I don't know what you can do and I don't know why you would ever want to do it, but I'm here to tell you, God, though I deserve everything wicked, I throw myself at your feet and ask you, Will you forgive me? Because you are the only one that I'm going to live for from this day forward. Repentance comes from a place of brokenness. It comes from a place of acknowledging that you need him desperately in your life. It's acknowledging that you have sinned. It's acknowledging that you are not perfect. It's acknowledging the wicked things that have lain dormant within you. It's acknowledging the actions that you regret. and It is from that place of brokenness that you begin a relationship with God. But if you don't go through this process, you will never be born again. People say, why do we have to go to that? Because that is the place of truly coming to the end of yourself. When you come to the end of yourself, let me tell you something that is majorly a part of that. You cannot go through through repentance without going through an emotional just distraught crying out in desperation to God. There are emotions attached to true repentance. It gets messy. Paul wrote to the Corinthians my message was not with enticing words of man's wisdom but it was empowering and in demonstration to the holy spirit stirring within the, the minds and the hearts of those that listened the most holy emotions repentance has emotions attached to it. It's a crying out. It's a recognition that I am. Who is man that thou art mindful of him? Why should I ever be able to boldly approach the throne? Why should you ever even spend time to hear me? Why should you listen to any word that I declare from my mouth? For I've been a liar, I've been a thief, I've done wicked things, God, and I repent. I want that gone because I want to be pleasing to you there's tears that come, snot that flows. Come on. It is ugly, but it is beautiful. It is a brokenness of man so that God can come in and put that man back together again. It's the breaking down of the old nature and the recognition that the old man that leads to death is not my identity and not what I want. I want him out and I want you in. It's the crying out, it's the openness, it's the part you get to where you don't care if 5,000 people hear what you did wrong because you are crying out to the one that is gonna forgive you and they can think what they wanna think because they've always thought what they wanted to think, but you wanna know what he has to say. It's the place of just brokenness saying, God, here I am. If you can do anything with this, then it is entirely yours. And anything you want to correct and anything you want to take out and anything you want to take from me, anything you ask, I am willing to do it because as of today, you're my everything, my all and all. You're the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the first, the last, the Alpha, the Omega. As we talk about repentance today, I want to acknowledge this though. Repentance is not something that God wants you to live in your entire life. God doesn't want his children forever broken before him. He says, though He you come broken, the broken contrite spirit. He says, I've been anointed to bind or mend the broken hearts. That the anointing of God comes to put the broken man back together as a brand new creation. The old pass away and a brand new lease on life that is eternal from that day forward. See, repentance is recognizing, as the word says in Isaiah, that he was afflicted. He was smitten, afflicted, bruised for our transgressions, the chastisement of our peace upon him. We deserve that, but he did that for us. And so, Lord, though I deserve nothing, you have offered me a place at a table. Though I deserve death, you gave me honor. And, Lord, I choose that now. Repentance is not something that is meant to, to drag on as though God is going to teach you a lesson and, and give you a three-year probationary period in the kingdom of God because you were extra bad and other people were not as bad. Repentance to the Lord is a finality that when you come and you truly repent, what he does is instant. It happens with the twinkling of an eye. He takes out stony hearts and he puts in hearts of flesh. That's why you can see people covered in tattoos from previous years in gangs meet the Lord and they have the softest heart. They're like a big old teddy bear. We got two friends of ours, both of them, or one good friend I never, and another pastor that, that we've met. They were both were pastors in Houston, Texas. To this day, their church is thriving, full of the Holy Ghost, full of the love of God, changing lives. Both of them previously were in gangs, one in the Texas syndicate, the other in another gang. And the one drove by one, one afternoon, oh, rolled down the window and opened fire on my friend's brother, shot him and killed him on the streets. Years later, after they both met Christ. They were in church and looked and saw each other and were horrified to see the person that murdered the brother or the person of the brother that you murdered. And they both decided they did not want to meet each other because they didn't know what the other person was going to do. So they both hid under the pews. They let the the lights go out in the sanctuary, and they both came out and were sneaking to the back of the building, and they broke into the lobby at the same time. And the moment they saw each other, they ran to each other, hugged each other, and began to cry. Let me tell you something. Repentance opens the doorway to forgiveness in your life. Say, man, I struggle with forgiveness. You struggle with forgiveness because you struggle with repentance. Because you've never laid your life down and never realized the freedom that God gives, and so you've got to go through that process, and then the weight comes off of you. Those that are quick to repent will be quick to forgive. Stop living your life bound up by what someone has done to you. Stop living your life based upon what happened to you when you were three. Stop trying to dig up a Dr. field. Stop trying to dig up this. Stop going to a counselor that tells you that you will never be free because of something that happened. You are a brand new creation. You are a child of God. If you lay your life before God, what God does is is finished. You are not that person. The enemy wants to keep you in a place the Bible calls the devil the accuser of the brethren. Day and night he makes accusations against you. Day and night he levels it against your mind, against your emotions, against every part of your life. I can tell you as a faith preacher, every time we've tried to take a great leap of faith, the weirdest things happen. Somebody from 15 years ago finds me on Facebook to try and attack and remind me of what I used to be like. That dude is dead. I attended his funeral way back in 2002, and I'm not going back to that gravesite anymore to suck anything from it. There ain't nothing in a dead man that I want. I'm a brand new creation. The old has passed away. I've gone through the the realms of God, and I am called his very own. And no, I don't deserve it. And no, I can't earn it. But he gave it to me freely. He paid the Christ, it is now mine. I have been set free. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You'll never be able to pay him back. Are you kidding me? So every time the past is thrown at your face, recognize this. If it's in the past, it's already dealt with. The blood has been applied. But if you're living right now in a place of squalor, a place of darkness, a place of addiction, a place of pain, a place of torment, because you have not let God in, then you have to make a decision because no one can repent for you. You've got to say, God, here I am and I open it all up. Let all the ugly come out at once because I want your freedom in my life. I don't want to be the person that's shouting freedom for 25 years while I'm bound in dark places. I want to be the person that shouts freedom because I'm free. Because whom the sun set free is free indeed, baby. I want to live it. I want to breathe it. I want to have it. I want to walk in it. And I want to give it to other people. So I'm going to have what God tells me to have. Let me tell you something, you have to go through this. Repentance is a personal decision to say, God, I lay it down, all the darkness, all the wickedness, all the things hidden in my life, and I ask you to swipe it away so that it's no longer a part of me. Give me the strength to live right. Give me the mind to think right. Give me the word to be medicine to my body and medicine to my bones. Give me the spirit to equip me with joy and peace, that I might walk in a fallen world upright before man. So that if I, anything about my life may it point others to Christ Jesus. Repentance is the turning around. The Bible says there are two words used for repentance found in the word of God. There is a Greek word that translates meaning the changing of your mind. Repentance is saying God changed the way I think. I don't want to think the thoughts that I have thought up till now. I don't want to think That I am useless. I don't want to think depression. I don't want to think perversion. I don't want to look at a woman and think wrong. I don't want to look at a man and think wrong. I don't want to dwell on these things. I don't want to plot destruction. I don't want to be greedy. I don't want to be lustful. I don't want this life. I don't want this mind. I don't want this thought. I want the thoughts of God. I want the mind of Christ. I want the freedom within me. So that I am not bound in this fallen world. I want to be able to walk upright and though sin is right by my side, I can love you out of that sin because I have been set free from that sin. To deciding I change my mind God change what I think change how I see things change what, what words do to me when they're spoken over me change the words that I allow out of my mouth change what I let myself look at change what I let my ears hear change me God change me God I'm not asking for something that I'm not fully committed to when I repent I'm saying God don't just forgive me change me Change me that I might never be in this place ever again. Break off the old and put in the new. Let me get it right for you, God. And if no one else recognizes it, may it be done between you and I. Repentance is a changing of the way you think. The enemy has done great harm to generations bombarding their minds with victimhood, pain, torment, thinking perverse strategizing how to dominate the minds of people. But you have access to a mind that the devil cannot control and cannot contain and has never been able to figure out. That is the mind of Christ whose thoughts are higher than our thoughts and whose ways are higher than our ways. And his nature is going to get on the inside of you. And if it's not happened yet, it'll happen before the end of today. Because I feel like today is a good old-fashioned Pentecostal (laughs) Barn-sturming, tent-shaking, sawdust-flying type of Holy Ghost service. Come on, somebody. You better get ready for an elder of the church running behind you with a bottle of oil, shouting, come out in Jesus' name. We ain't playing games in here today. So I want to change. You see, that's the beauty of it all. When you decide you want to change, that's when grace is applied. But grace is not applied when you're stubborn and pig-headed. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, the Bible says. He comes rushing in in an instant when a heart is truly opened up before him, and he does what only he can do, and he changes things. The other word found in the Bible is a Hebrew word that the Jewish people used because they did not see repentance just as the changing of the mind. They saw it as a physical turning around. It means to turn your back, to turn physically 180 degrees and go in another direction. Let me tell you, repentance starts with emotions. I mean, you got snot, you got tears, you're broken, you're crying out. But if it stays in emotions and doesn't graduate to a firm faith decision to say, I will change. Then you will stay in that place of squalor and never get to the place of identity Repentance starts emotional, but along the way, it is a physical and mental and emotional and spiritual decision solidified by the blood of Christ, signed and dated 2,000 years ago, that under contract, I will not live like the world wants me to live. I will live like Christ wants me to live. I turn my back on this world, and I turn my back on sin. I will not let sin rule in my life. I will be free in Jesus' name. As we. The Bible says concerning Cain, the first man to sin in the Bible says sin is crouching at the door seeking to be your master. But it will not master a child of God and it will not master a daughter of the king. That you will be given a spirit on the inside to look sin in the eye and say you are death, you are unwanted, you are unneeded and I cast you out. And I choose life and life evermore. I hope I'm not preaching too intense this morning. But Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, this is Jesus speaking. He said, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. There are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. There are few who find it. And not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Let me tell you something. If it mattered to Jesus, it matters. If Jesus, the author, the finisher, the perfecter of our faith, grace incarnate himself, calls people to a place of saying look if you do not live right when you come to me I will say depart from me I never knew you then you can take you can smoke whatever grace pipe you want to smoke of this modern fallen world of perversion but if Jesus says it matters it matters still I don't care if they got 18 degrees to tell you why it doesn't matter anymore and you can live like you want to live and it's predestination and what will be will be Sarah. that is not true Daily, you're presented with a decision, do I lay my life down and do I live for God? And I am living for Him, and so I choose Him. And when I screw up, I'll be quick to repent, and I will fall before my knees and say, God, wash me, cleanse me, make me right again. i lay it down before you, get this junk out of my life. I'm sorry, I repent, and I change my direction. Yes. Amen. I'm not hanging with that person anymore because all they do is drag me back down to the club and the club ain't where I belong. The only club I'm going to have is the club of the mighty word of God in my hand to strike every foe of hell that comes to try and entice me from this day forward. Hallelujah. Jesus, I ain't drinking the Kool-Aid and I ain't drinking the bottle of this world. I'm drinking on the new wine of the spirit of God. Repentance. Repentance. Something where once you have gone through it and made up your mind, God has made up his mind concerning you. And a brand new life is birth for all to see. And that life is a life full of possibility. That life is a life full of great reward. That life is a life full of blessings that you could never pay back and never deserve, but he freely gives. It is a life filled with the wonder of discovering how good he truly is. It's a life where you say, taste and see that the Lord is good and mean it because it is good in your life. He is not a God of rules and regulations because he wants to control you. He's a God of law because he wants to set you free. And when you embrace what he brings, then death loses its sting. The grave loses its victory and you will be in the streets of gold forevermore. Somebody grab it today. Jesus, I feel like I'm even preaching like preachers from past. I got like a twain in my voice that I don't usually have. <laughs> oh, somebody look at your neighbor. <laughs> well. So have you changed your mind, if you changed your heart, Have you decided I don't want the things of this world, In a fallen world, I don't want what the world wants, and I don't want to even think like they think. I want to think like God wants me to think. The Bible says in Luke 15, verse 10, Likewise I say to you, there was joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner, sinner who repents. All of heaven rejoices when a person repents, because that's all God cares about. He doesn't care about The nations, the names, the flags, sports. I can tell you right now, he doesn't care about golf. I've prayed over a thousand shots and not one of them went right. He is not in the business of giving a rip about your slice or your hook. He doesn't care about anything other than the souls of men and women. Everything else will pass away. This earth will pass away. But the souls of men and women, they will be eternal And that's why God gave the message of redemption to the church that we are all ministers of reconciliation to reconcile this world back to a loving Father, to get them set free, to set them up for the blessings that God has in store for their lives. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts to bless you, thoughts to give you a hope and a future, not to harm you. God is a good God. Amen. And so we read this in Luke 15 the repentance, and it goes to tell us the story of two sons. This is famous scripture of the one son that stayed with the dad, but was blinded and didn't know the character of his dad or what was given to him. That is the picture of religion. There are many people held captive in religion, thinking that they know God, but all they know is a form of God. But they have never come to the fullness of who he is. And there's a the son that squandered it all in riotous living, the Bible says. That's where many of us identify, unfortunately, in this day and age. Why it is that way, I don't know. But America is a revelry society full of debauchery. And college is a place where every person winds up doing things they shouldn't do. But ultimately, the riotous living. But he comes to the end of himself, the Bible says. And he cries out. And he says these words, Father, I've sinned against heaven. And before you and I am no longer worthy to be called your son, make me like one of your hired servants. As I started, repentance is that. It's not the place to say, God, do something for me. It's the place to plead to the Lord saying, I need you and I don't deserve it. But when he did that, it says he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, the father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Repentance, though humbling, is truly liberating. God the Father loves you and wants to give you the absolute best, but it begins with you. Will you repent over the dead things that you have allowed in your life? In Matthew chapter 3, we read the story of John the Baptist. John the Baptist came with one message, the Bible says, which Malachi prophesied about him being the one to usher in the coming of the new covenant. Given one message, and that message was repent, get ready, because there is one coming, The latchet of whose shoes I am unworthy to unloose. And his name is Jesus. His entire message was repent because repentance comes before salvation ever enters the scene. You want to truly be saved and born again. Someone says, how do I know when I'm saved? You know when you're saved because everything changes. The things you once desired, you don't desire anymore. Things you once allowed, you never allow anymore. Words that used to come out of your mouth do not come out of your mouth anymore. Your, your language goes from four-letter words to glory, hallelujah, shambarakata. You even throw out words like Rehoboth and Maranatha, baby. <laughs> Nobody knows what you're talking about, it, but by God, it's sanctified. Maranatha, brother, Maranatha. Rehoboth. Ruach. I mean, come on. You get a sanctified mouth and a sanctified mind. When you mean it with God, God means it with you. It's the turning around of your life. It's the changing of things. It's the breaking away of the old. It's the beginning of the new. I want to highlight, as I started earlier and said, though, if you're stuck perpetually in a place of repentance then there's a door open in your life that you need to change and close. And you need to ask the Lord to help you. Let me close this door once and for all. If you're still sitting there feeling like generational curses are upon your household, let me tell you something. The blessing is greater than the curse. The curse is to like three generations. The blessings to a thousand generations. Come on, somebody. As I started with this saying, Christ doesn't look at certain people and say, you've got a three-month probationary period because you were extra bad. You can come to God as a murderer like David did and be set free if you would just truly repent. Right. Things can change in the twinkling of an eye and in a moment with the things with the realms of God. But it's a personal decision to say, Lord, I lay my life before you. And we're going to close the service and move into a time of just openness with the Lord. If I could get someone on the keys right now. I want to invite everybody here thanks for listening to the river claremont podcast if you'd like to partner with us in seeing lives touched and changed by the love and power of jesus you can give online at www.riverclaremont.com your prayers and financial support are changing lives